I've always been fascinated with hard work. Since the time I got hooked on becoming the next Kobe Bryant at 14 years old, I was grinding my ass off. My daily life looked like this. 6 a.m. get up, 7.30 skill training, 9.30 hit the gym, 12.30 school to about 7, 7.30 team training, 9.30 second skill training, 11 p.m. get home. A total of six hours of hard training per day. And I forgot to mention, I biked everywhere. So added 20 kilometers to that. But where did I get this crazy idea? Well, my role model at the time was Kobe Bryant and his whole philosophy around getting better was doing more. More hours, more effort, more everything. And that's how I thought I would get in front of everybody else by doing more volume. And I was right to an extent. That was also my first mistake. Thinking a famous player knew how to develop a young kid with totally different circumstances, environment, body, personality, state of development, etc. He also didn't mention that they all use steroids and have the best trainers and like 10 other people looking over them, but not to dig at his own image. Uh, he helped me set the foundations for later. Even though I did train smart, my body and mind started to crumble. I was a mediocre player at best. I had a lot of injuries from intense training and high school was approaching its end. After living like this for four years, I quit my dream overnight and never looked back. Long story short, it wasn't my life's calling. As many of us athletes do, I got into fitness shortly and I realized that the more approach just doesn't seem to work. And that's how I discovered another side of the equation, a second superior one. We essentially have two ways to achieve more at a given goal, task or life itself. The first way I explained earlier is the do more model. So more hours, more effort, more everything. But the second version is the do better model. Imagine for a second that two people had to paint a big wall. The first one starts brushing randomly, throwing paint on the wall, jumping to get to all the parts and eventually exhausted finishes within like four hours. Then the second person comes to do the same job but he prepares. He studies wall painting for like 30 minutes. He goes to the store to buy the right equipment and he paints the whole wall with near perfection. Here's a quote to give you context. Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the ax. So we come to question, why did the second person paint the wall better and with less time? He did it more productively. So what is productivity and why should we aim for it? Productivity is the measure of how much work is done in a given amount of time. It gives you a chance not only to outwork everybody else, but to outsmart them. Simply put, work less, achieve more. Think if you could work the same job as you do right now with less time, but the same amount of whatever you're getting as your compensation, would you do it? Of course you fucking would. It's a better deal. So now that we've established that there are two ways of achieving more and that the productivity one is a better deal, let's talk about how you can achieve more by being productive. I don't know how much you understand about productivity, but you're probably expecting me to tell you that there's an app solving this, uh, but I can't lie to you. I'm also not going to tell you about habits, routines and sticky notes. Uh, well, not yet. We are going to do this the right way. Imagine that we're building a house on a beautiful beach, like a long one on the Atlantic coast. So we're working and there comes a time where we have to build the foundation of that house. We dig in like a meter down and call it good. Six months later, the house is finished. Everything looks fantastic and it's our dream come true. Then one night a storm comes as they're frequent on the Atlantic coast of Portugal. That's where I imagine my house. And of course the waves are clashing. They're clashing closer to the house and there's a lot of rain and other 
better elements, but you're warm inside. You're watching TV, the waves don't bother you, and you think you're weathering the storm. But suddenly the floor starts to move. Is this an illusion? Are you hallucinating? You didn't take any more medication than you used to. So what's up? The truth is that your house is plummeting into the ocean because of its shallow foundations. It gently slides down the cliff, leaving one side open and the other one swimming. Guess what? You were lazy in the beginning and you only dug up one meter of ground, so now you're in the ocean with no way of getting out. If you were to put in the work and dug deeper back then, the house would be rock solid. It's the same with productivity. If you build these foundations right now, you will be unshakable like a house with deep foundations, knowing that you can rely on yourself when it comes time to put in the work. There are three obstacles you will face once you start your productivity journey. I could have dug deeper into each one of these challenges, but to save you time, I will smush them all together. And if you need help with each one, just shoot me a message and I'll write about them. The first one is limiting beliefs. My definition of limiting beliefs is that limiting beliefs are deeply ingrained convictions about the world that restrict you from developing your full potential. Examples, if you think all men are liars, you'll never meet an honest one. If you always go all out, you'll be left with anxiety. If you think you're never gonna lose weight, you never will. These are the one you have to grab by the balls and kick the shit out of them. Interestingly, the balls you're about to hit are yours and it's gonna hurt. So doing it yourself seems like a good deal to me. Where do limiting beliefs come from? According to my experience, those can come from four things. Ignorance, the Dunning-Kruger effect, aka not knowing shit, but still talking like you do. Influences, upbringing, environment, friends, family experiences, so traumas and past failures, and the other section, so cognitive and neurological. So here's my philosophy on why they occur. Everybody has some assumptions, it's normal, but you have to reconcile with yourself that most people don't think. They're in what I would call a plane mode all the time. They don't get to be the pilot and they don't get the chance to take charge of their own lives. So their shortcut to thinking are limiting beliefs. They're not bad people, but deep down inside, they're not happy with where they are. Thinking about their life choices makes them anxious. So the best bet is to listen to their parents or friends and then copy paste so they can sound smart without actually thinking through and developing their own opinion. This also gives people what I call the middle ground, a stereotypical opinion that lowers their chance of being unlikable and gives them a better chance of fitting in and you can find these people everywhere piled up in a group often hating like in the comments of social media there was one good story Alex Hormozzi told and it was a few years back that a famous investor named Ray Dalio made a social media post talking about something related to business and finance and guess what happened people in the comments got so mad at him and started writing stuff like who even is this guy who is Ray Dalio to talk about business business, that man is business, but their ego couldn't hold them back and projected their limiting beliefs. It's like having a lion sitting in front of you and telling him he's not a cat. Anyways, here are some examples of limiting beliefs. Women should only be in the kitchen. How you do everything is how you do anything. You can't make money online etc etc now that you know what they are where they come from and what they look like we'll go over how to get rid of them the first thing is awareness if you have limiting beliefs there's a high chance that you don't even know that you have them so the first step is to become aware noticing them is important because your mind won't let you be aware of something that it knows is wrong it will drive you crazy until you fix it talk about putting pressure on yourself and we know pressure makes diamonds ha had to put a cheesy quote in there you spot your limiting beliefs by looking at what 
gets a negative reaction out of you. So what did you hate in the comments last month? What makes your eyes roll back when you hear it? Uh, what can you not stand at all? Is it the 20 year old billionaire living in Dubai flexing his dad's money? Is it the conspiracy theory guy telling you the earth is flat? play detective, catch yourself and others projecting limiting beliefs to your own mind. If you really want to see this in action, this is best done in a group setting. Start a controversial topic you're interested in and analyze the people projecting limiting beliefs on each other. But do not call them out, you won't get good results and this is only for your self-improvement journey. Also, you're not a special bird, nobody is immune to limiting beliefs, we all have them. So go looking for your limiters. Once we're aware of them, how do we remove them? It's done only and only with action. You didn't think I was gonna give you some soft skill manifestation of your zodiac sign, did you? Steps, bright as day. First one, make an action plan. Don't overcomplicate it. Second one, get yourself out of your comfort zone. Go and do your limiting beliefs. And third, finally decide if you were right or wrong and proceed with the findings of your little research. This is one of those things that are simple but not easy and most people will stop right here since now they're being asked to be committed and that's too much. But I believe you won't. Purpose. To be upfront, we'll go about the purpose and the why in depth in one of the future newsletters and YouTube videos. So make sure you add me to your contact list via email or subscribe to me on YouTube. But today there will be some actionable steps to get you started. There are many Many ways to skin a cat. We can talk about different beliefs and approaches, but for now, I will give you the one I think is the most important. This idea comes from Robert Greene, the author of 48 Laws of Power, and he says that the most important thing in your life is to find your life's tasks. So basically something you were made for. People have a major problem finding their why, and a lot of them end up with nothing and don't know what they would do with their life. That aligns with Carl Jung's saying, if you don't find your purpose, you will greatly suffer in your life as it will be without meaning. So if you feel like that, I will help you find your purpose. And here's how. First, we have to talk about desire, something burning inside you. I read The Alchemist when I was 14. It was my first cover to cover read. And then I read it again after my girlfriend bought me the same book a few years back. And I have to say, it profoundly changed me. That book and a movie called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty are two pieces of content that have shaped my passion for adventure and evoked my fear of living an ordinary life. And there's a quote from that book I remember even to this day. And it's when you truly want something, the whole universe conspires to make that possible. And I have to emphasize, this is the most important thing by far. Scientifically, it's called the Baden-Meinhof phenomenon. And in short, it's when you learn something new and your mind starts seeing it everywhere. If you focus on finding your purpose, believe me, you will find it. But lacking determination to seek what you desire means that you will never succeed in finding it. So ask yourself, do you really want to find your purpose? I call this the burning ass effect and it's pretty simple. If your ass is basically not burning with desire to find what your purpose is, you will never find it. And I mean this in a literal sense. Your ass needs to be burning with desire, propelling you like a rocket ship into outer space of wanting to find your passion. But now that you know all of this, I have to tell you. I've put a curse on you. The Baden-Meinhof phenomenon is so powerful, it just won't let you go. You'll start thinking about the purpose. You'll start seeing it everywhere. You will start seeking it. And that is the point, to not let you go until you act on it. I know it's confusing, this will all tie up in the end, so keep watching. The second section is called the gift. Remember when you were young and saw kids your age that were just naturally better than everyone else at something? Like, no matter how much other kids try, they beat everyone. 
almost effortlessly. And it's not like they practiced more than everybody else at seven years old. It's because that thing feels like second nature to them. It's their gift. That gift might be sports, music or art, but people call that talent and everybody has one. It's just a matter of finding it. Some people find it sooner, some later, some never do. But here's how to make sure you have a better chance of finding your gift. Ask yourself, what is the only thing you want to do when you're alone? What is the one thing you find yourself going out of your way to do almost every time? For me, it's creating content in many ways and forms. I've secretly done it since I was a child, talking about Beyblades and stuff. Yes, I'm proud. So to make content, I dedicate three to four hours a day for planning, writing, and filming. I cancel out any events like meetings and hangouts before 12 p.m. and I install and incorporate any technique possible to stop anybody from reaching me at that time. I'm ruthless with it. I treat creating content like a female bear defends its cups. And you can Google that and see how it goes. My grandma broke her arm and my dog is dying in a burning building. Don't care, it's content time. Just kidding, don't be a douchebag about it. Protect your most precious time, find your gift and work on it like a focused lunatic and you will see results. The third section is action. The best, never don't do the basics. This deep thinking stuff works only if you're actually going to do the thing later. This is the most important section and it's the 80% of your results, it's the foundation of your house, it's the essence of everything. Trust me when I tell you, you're not going to manifest your way into this. The only thing that counts is input. I thought this was general knowledge, but a friend of mine pointed out that we've got lazy people here. So I have to tell you this one too. To take action, you should search the internet for 10 hours a day. Take all the mentorship and classes available. Create and practice as much as possible. If you only took action and didn't do a thing that I mentioned above, you would still find your passion by just doing. It's the only thing that counts. And this is the final section called productivity. This section will give you a great start on what productivity is. And if you incorporate this in your daily life, you'll get ahead of 80% of the people in this world. There are five principles of productivity. Capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. And just so you know, these principles are from the book Getting Things Done by David Allen, which is basically like a productivity bible. So I don't want to waste more time uh, and let's get rolling. The first principle is capture and be honest. How many times did you forget what you wanted to do? How many times did you forget what you wanted to say? How many times did you forget something because you just didn't write it on a piece of paper? There's a saying in my first language, it goes the smart write down, but the dump try and remember. Simply put, our mind is for having ideas, not for remembering them. And one of the reasons why most people aren't productive and are overworked is because they're using their mind as a to-do list. They don't have any storage to put their thoughts, ideas and responsibilities into. So they're constantly trying to remember what to do next. Therefore, they lack clarity. Why do you think I give you action steps, questions and to-do lists? Because you need clarity. You have to know what to do next. It really doesn't matter where you write them down, but here's what I do. If I'm driving, I'll record a voice message. If it's a content idea, I'll put it in Notion. And if it's something I need to know to do, I just slap a sticky note on my monitor and so on. So anytime I remember something, my default brain reaction is write this down or this life-changing idea will pass you on. 
I like to be dramatic with it. And one more important tip, use it for all the things you need to do. I mean, all of them. Don't just write down your work-related stuff. You have to write down things like go shopping for groceries, respond to Alex, hug my mom. It greatly improves your chances of actually doing things and taking them seriously. And I know you wouldn't want to miss hugging your mom. So just write it down and do it. The second principle is clarify. Every clarification brings a new question. This is the idea that we want to clarify the things we capture almost immediately. So when you capture a new idea, you should write it down, transfer it into a new section to clarify things and outline it and make action steps to do it. Imagine if you wrote down something like start going to a jiu-jitsu class. What does that mean? It means just maybe go. But when we arrive there, we'll figure out that we need a mouth guard, we need some slippers, we need the right clothes or the graphs how we should behave. Well, I'll find that out once I go there. No shit Sherlock, but the point is not wasting time. It's the opposite. It's also getting you started with as little friction as possible so you can have a better chance of doing it consistently. That's why we make actionable steps. That way 50% of the work is already done and we haven't even started yet. The third principle is organize. Look at these steps in this way. Every one of these improves our chances of success in getting things done. The most important thing again is putting everything where it needs to be. You can schedule the things you want to do. I use a calendar for that and the calendar is a great tool because it forces you to answer three questions and it's when is this happening or what is the deadline, where is this happening and with whom is this happening. Once you answer these questions and schedule the thing in your calendar, you're basically three times more likely to do it. Bonus points if you have somebody to do it with, maybe like an expert, a trainer or something. It puts pressure on you to show up, plus it makes it more fun. The fourth principle is to engage. It's pretty simple. Just go do the thing. Don't overcomplicate it and make mistakes. It's the way you improve. And the fifth and final principle is to reflect on the things you did. Jordan Peterson says writing is formalized thinking and I've got a history of not knowing how to express my thoughts and feelings regarding my view on life and that is one of the reasons why I do this. Essentially, when you write, you organize your thoughts in a structured and clear way inside of your mind. When I heard Peterson talk about it, I had one of those aha moments, but I never acted on it until I watched one of Dan Coe's videos and here we are. I think everybody should learn how to write. It's helped me so much. People like Marcus Aurelius figured this out centuries ago when he wrote thoughts to himself for later reflection. People actually made a book out of it called Meditations with all of them combined. I think you should check it out. But back to reflection, I think there's no fancy way of going about it. Just reflect on the activities you do by writing them down into a section of reflection. An example would be a physical journal, a voice recorded mail, a note-taking app. I use Notion combined with Dan Coe's Power Planner. It's amazing and it's completely free, link in the description. But my reflection times are structured by days, weeks, months and quarters. You don't have to do all of that, just start with simple weekly thoughts. If you find it helpful, then get into writing, planning and other shenanigans. So I said I would give you a list and we have come to the final section of how to do more, the steps. If all of this information is overwhelming, just don't be hard on yourself. This is a lot of information for anybody. And I know you got questions about the apps I use and what color markers to pick for note taking, but just don't worry about it. We'll tackle that in the future. For now, these are the steps you want to take. The first one is to sleep on this. Take a nap, seriously. The second is to come back in a few hours, then go through this again and take notes. Then make an actionable to-do list. Also begin with an easy task and 
then start immediately. Those were the five steps. But if you were to take only one thing from this video, it's that a single act is more meaningful than a mountain of plants. I wouldn't have filmed this without action. And this was taxing on me. I've been contemplating this for weeks. So do your part out of respect for me and yourself. Thank you for watching. P.S. If you like this, refer it to your important person of choice. Plus, uh, let me know what you think of this. Uh, shoot me an email or text. Your opinion is to be respected.